Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. My name is Jeff and today Greg and I are going to be talking about some of the best mountain bike trails in the mountain states of America. No other region in the USA offers more excellent mountain bike opportunities than the mountain states. These are the states including New Mexico, Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, Utah, Nevada, and Arizona. With so many great trails to choose from, we're setting the quality bar pretty high here to keep this episode at a reasonable length. In fact, we've already devoted entire episodes to the states of Colorado and Utah. So if you want to hear our deep tracks, be sure to scroll back through the Single Tracks podcast archive to get even more recommendations. So we're going to start this episode like we always do with these types of episodes and talk about some destinations, some places that are worth spending a weekend or even a whole week exploring the mountain bike trails. Greg, what's your top destination in the mountain states for mountain biking? One of my favorite places I've just ever been just across the board, you know, across the world, one of the most beautiful spots with some of the best mountain biking hands down is Crested Butte, in my opinion. And I just love this place. And I mean, the interesting thing about Crested Butte is it's got a pretty short season for riding dry single tracks since pretty much all the trails are high alpine. But when it's good there, it's really, really good. So I just love that place. And I'm sure I've talked about it on this podcast before, but I'll probably talk about it again. So there's just dozens of epic trails there. We're going to talk about one or two in a, a minute. Uh, there are easy trails that you can ride from town. There's big alpine rides you can do. There are some really rowdy, fast descents like Doctor's Park. They also even have a downhill bike park, which I don't think we're included that on our downhill park list because there's maybe like a dozen or more in Colorado, but Crested Butte has one of those too. So it's a really well-rounded destination if you're there at the right time of year. Yeah, Crested Butte has got to be one of my favorite places to ride in the world as well. And like you said, there's so much there. You could spend you could spend many summers in Crested Butte and still not hit everything. So definitely top of the list for me as well. Another spot in Colorado that uh, a lot of people may be familiar with, maybe more from skiing, is Breckenridge, Colorado. And this one, over the years, we've gone back and forth, I guess, between ourselves and also some of our, our writers as well about, you know, is Breckenridge really a mountain bike town? Is it a mountain bike destination? And my vote is, yeah, it is. There's there's a lot of great mountain biking there, and it's a cool town to visit. What's your take on Breckenridge, Greg? Yeah, Breckenridge is super interesting as a mountain bike town. And I think one of the things that maybe makes it more difficult to wrap your head around is that like there's just trails all over Summit County there and there's a bunch of towns kind of smashed together and it's really a big conglomerate that includes all of Summit County and I think one of the things that's challenging about Breckenridge is that there's a lot of trail density and there's just so many trails that it's not necessarily like there's one or two standout trails that are like you got to do this one it's like there's just great rides all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And every time I go back there, I I ride something new and I'm more and more impressed with the area. So I give it a thumbs up. Yeah. Like you said, there isn't really a standout ride. Um, it just seems like people just go there and ride. You know, I think one of the ways, at least some of the people I know here in Georgia, 
that like to go out to Breckenridge, one of the ways they do it is they sign up for the Breck Epic, which is a stage race five day, seven day. I'm not sure how many days, but you get to ride a lot of the trails there and that seems to be a really good way to explore the area. So check it out. Definitely. If that's something you're into next on our list, we have Idaho and that's a mashup of Wyoming and Idaho. And specifically we're talking about Jackson and the Victor area. Greg, have you visited Idaho? What, what did you think? Yeah, I've been a couple times and there's still so much I need to do there. And this is a really special area again, you know, for, if you're not playing the fat bike in the winter, the season here isn't super long. It's high summer is when you want to go, but it has just great alpine riding. One thing that I think is really interesting is the diversity just in the culture and the feel uh, between Jackson and Victor. Like Jackson is you know, a very well-developed high-end destination, but don't discount the quality of trails there. But then you head over to Victor and it's you know, totally different, way more blue collar and true people living in that town, but it's very small. So the whole area though still has just amazing trails, but it's very diverse in its feel and character across the region. Yeah. Wydaho is definitely on my list. Next up, we also have New Mexico, Santa Fe. Greg, have you visited Santa Fe? I know you've got a trip planned. Uh, Actually, you're leaving, you're leaving today, which Who knows how that'll shake out with when this is published. But yeah, what do you know about Santa Fe? Santa Fe is only like three and a half hours away from where I live now. I still have not been yet. And it's been on my hit list because it is, by all accounts, just an amazing mountain town and destination. So there's plentiful desert trail options around town. Santa Fe sits at about 7,000 feet, which is the exact same elevation as my hometown of Salida. So there's um, deserty systems close to town, but then there's big mountains all around Santa Fe. So you have higher alpine trails that run through the mountains and then drop into town. One of the key trails is the Windsor Trail, which is about 10 miles long and it goes through the mountains and ends in town. And then some of the lower trail systems are the Dale Ball Trails and La Tierra. But really, we often use Santa Fe as like the standout destination for the New Mexico mountains, but there's a lot of other stuff to do in the New Mexico mountains too. Taos is not far, great trails and extremely underrated, I think. Yeah. I was going to mention that, that seems like Santa Fe doesn't do quite the level of marketing as, you know, other places like Sedona and I mean, shoot, even Bentonville, Arkansas does a lot more work, you know, promoting themselves than Santa Fe does. Though Santa Fe hosted the IMBA World Summit a while ago, six years ago, eight years ago. So this is a place that's been on mountain bikers' radars for a long time and continues to be a great place to visit. Moving over to Utah, we have Park City, Utah. And Park City was the first gold-level IMBA ride center. They actually helped write the requirements or the you know attributes for the ride center so it's no surprise that they were the first and the best but it's actually pretty deserved right greg yeah i mean park city is an impressive spot i mean there's just a mind-blowing number of trails right in accessible directly from park city but in the region spread out around it and they keep building new ones too which is pretty cool i know a few other selections on our list um, lower down are going to be from Park City. I mean, they have tons of lift serve riding, at least 
three different resorts that offer lift serve riding, uh, two of which have combined sort of into one resort due to a buyout. Uh, it's kind of complicated, but it's complicated because there's trails all over the place. So you can easily ride from town into one resort, into another resort, into a third without really knowing that you're transitioning through all those zones because it's so well connected. Yeah, Park City is really, really awesome. Love riding there. Next up on the list is Moab, Utah, which needs little introduction, but it's definitely one of our favorites. Yeah, we called it the mountain bike capital of the United States in an article we did. And I think that's pretty well deserved. It's one of the original mountain bike destinations. I mean, before mountain biking was really a thing, people started riding mountain bikes on Jeep trails and motorcycle trails in Moab. And now there's just tons of bike, pretty much bike-specific single-track, non-motorized in Moab. And they keep building new stuff. They don't just rest on their laurels and rest on their reputation. But I mean, pretty much if you go back to Moab once a year, there'll be something new for you to ride every time you go. Yeah. And if, when you think of Moab, you think of, you know, hot desert, just red rock riding. There's, there's a little bit of everything. I mean, there's a lot of that, but then there's also some high Alpine rides that you can do in the Aspen trees and, you know, just it's, it's awesome because it's got it all. Another destination in Utah that I'm a big fan of is St. George, Utah, and this is kind of located away from Moab and Park City in the southwest corner of the state, located right there off of Interstate 15 coming out of Las Vegas, and there are a ton of great trails right there in town, and then close by you have the Gooseberry Mesa, which is a really well-known trail system, and some other larger trail systems that are sort of out away from town as well. And then that's also the area where the Red Bull Rampage is held each year. So again, if you need an excuse to go out there, definitely check it out during Rampage and ride all the excellent trails around St. George. Into Arizona, we have a destination in Sedona. And Sedona, a lot of times it gets lumped in with Flagstaff because they're pretty close together, but they're, the riding is very different, right, Greg? Yeah, I mean, if you're to move somewhere, the whole Flagstaff Sedona area is incredibly diverse, but it'd be almost difficult to ride both of these destinations at the same time because there's actually like, I want to say almost 4,000 vertical feet separating them in just a few miles. So Sedona is at around 3,000, 3,500 feet. Flagstaff is around 7,000. I want to believe that's correct. And the mountains around Flagstaff go higher, which is why I'm debating that. I believe the town's at seven and the mountains go up from there. So you can't really ride these two places at the same time. Sedona is a great spring, fall, even sometimes midwinter if you hit it right, uh, riding destination. They have just visually stunning terrain uh, because it's it's red rock country. So there's just these beautiful rock cliffs like rising up above town. And then you are like, well, where did the trails go? And the trails are just like threaded through these like impossible places along cliffs, cliff bands and down really steep drops. Um, it's a, it's, it's a riot. It's a good time. Yeah. I always love seeing photos and videos from the mountain bike trails in Sedona. Moving along to Nevada, that's a state that we don't often associate with mountain biking, but there is a little corner up in the Tahoe area where, the mountain biking is truly excellent. Yeah, so 
Lake Tahoe is right on the Nevada-California border. And the actually the Nevada side of it is no slouch. Like there's really good riding to be had. The key ride there, I guess maybe we'll talk about that in a little bit. I'll spill the beans now. But the Tahoe Rim Trail goes all the way around uh, the Lake Tahoe Basin. And parts of it are off limits of bikes, but some parts are really great riding. And there's a great chunk in Nevada that comes down off of uh, the Mount Rose Highway area and goes along the mountaintops and can connect to the Flume Trail, which is like an old school favorite uh, cross country trail and just epic views the whole way. So there's a beautiful part there and we don't necessarily have it on the list uh, because I think it's still an up and comer. But just on the other side of those mountains from Lake Tahoe is Carson City and supposedly they're building just a ton of great trails there. But I still haven't had the chance to sample Carson City on my own yet. Have you been to that region, Jeff? I haven't. I haven't ridden there. But yeah, with Interbike moving to Reno, hopefully we'll get to spend some more time out there and familiarize ourselves with the area. That's great to hear that they're building in Carson City as well because, yeah, like we said, Nevada is not really known for mountain biking that much. But there's definitely potential there. Sun Valley, Idaho is a destination that's pretty well known as a ski town, but there's also great mountain biking there, right? Yeah, I just went there for the first time, oh crap, now I don't even remember, a year or two ago, but it had been on my list for a while. And what really strikes me about Sun Valley is that it's a cross-country rider's paradise. The downhill resort is getting better, uh, and the newest trail built there is actually like a pretty long entertaining one at the downhill resort i think is opening like for the season this year uh, but what really struck me when i was riding there is that there are these big epics through the high mountains just like way up on top of the world uh, but generally in colorado when you get way up on top of the world it's accompanied with like a ton of rock like it's really really rough yeah. difficult riding but in sun valley it's just buff smooth kind of sandy single track it's pretty amazing Huh. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'd love to check that out. Finally, on our list, we have Whitefish, Montana. And Greg, you actually lived in Montana for a while. Were you in Whitefish or nearby? I was in Kalispell, which is like 15 minutes uh, south of Whitefish. It's the bigger town there. But Whitefish is like the mountainy town because it's got the the ski resort right there, which is now a legit downhill resort for downhill mountain biking. Uh, at the time I lived there, the Mountain biking at the resort wasn't awesome, but there's still a lot of backcountry-style riding all around that area in the big mountains. There's also, since I lived there, new trails that begin right out of town. So Whitefish has really been building and making the most of what they got. There's also old-school free-ride trails available, um, not at the resort, but like at a different system near Whitefish, which is actually, I was just chatting with a guy that moved to Salida from Whitefish, and that saving those trails at Spencer Mountain is what prompted the local mountain bikers to get organized and form an advocacy group. So yeah, anyhow, doing great things on Whitefish. Yeah, that's really awesome to hear. Well, now let's talk about some specific places where you can go to ride lift service trails and, you know, sort of resort style bike park stuff. In Colorado, perhaps the best known place to ride resort style is at Trestle Bike Park, which is at Winter Park Ski Resort. Tell us a little bit about that, Greg. Yeah, this one is still on my hit list. It's arguably the you know the best downhill resort in Colorado, although there are tons of other ones, and each one has a bit different flavor. 
from what I hear, and I've got a lot of friends that have season passes at Trestle. And Trestle's known for big jumps, like really big jumps, but them being very well made and promoting, you know, confidence because the lips are perfectly manicured, the speed's dialed, and you can like send it really big with a lot of confidence. And they've held free ride mountain bike festivals at Winter Park, and it's definitely, yeah, that's sort of the thrust is big jumps. <laughs> yeah. Lee and I actually visited there several years ago and did, at the time they had a program called Downhill 101, I think that's what it was called. And uh, yeah, they would set you up with a downhill bike and pads and helmets and gear and stuff, and then send you out with an instructor. There would be like four or five people in a group and they just gave you an intro to downhill biking. And both of us found that really helpful uh, coming from more of a like cross country trail background. And it's definitely a different, it's a totally different game than what we were used to. And that was, that was a really good intro and gave us confidence to start doing more aggressive riding. Even if it's not downhill at a resort, you still learn a lot of things that you can take back and do, you know, on your home trails and stuff. So yeah, Trestle Bike Park, super awesome. Another bike park in Colorado that I can personally recommend is Keystone. And again, Keystone is known as a ski resort, but there are also excellent downhill mountain bike trails that are open in the summer. And a number of big events are held there each year. You know, Keystone among skiers is known as like sort of an easier, like more family oriented place. But that's not to say that the downhill trails are are easy at all. You know, you're still going to find plenty of challenge there. And there's some, some pretty aggressive trails if you're into that sort of thing. In New Mexico, we have Angel Fire Bike Park, which is also pretty well known. A lot of big races are held there. Can you tell us a little bit about that, Greg? Yeah, from my understanding, Angel Fire is more on the technical, challenging, old school lines of the spectrum. They still have some jump lines, um, but if you want rocks, like Keystone's really rocky. I've ridden there and that's chunky, and it sounds like Angel Fire is on the same page. It's a popular race venue, like Jeff said, but not just for downhill, but also enduro. So lots of feel like there's been a few different enduro series that have used Angel Fire as a stop um, because it's a pretty good setup for an enduro race with both backcountry trails in the region and the trails at the bike park, but that are also great for that style of riding. So definitely check it out if you're in the region. Not too far from Santa Fe and Taos. It's all in that same zone up in the mountains there. Right on. Another recommended bike park is the park at Grand Targhee in Wyoming. And Greg, it sounds like they're building a lot of trails and features out there, right? Man, it's pretty impressive. So when I've got a new article, it's coming soon, not done yet, but a lot of the development on that side of Idaho is actually at the Grand Targhee uh, Resort. And I believe it was like the fall after I rode there a few years ago, they opened a whole new zone. So when I first rode there, they had one lift for the bike park trails. They opened a whole new lift with a whole entire side of the mountain full of bike park trails, which is impressive. Wow. But they don't just have downhill. They have a bunch of pedal-driven trails as well. And you can access some of the better backcountry-style riding right from the resort. Uh, and Grand Targhee has some of the best fat biking anywhere in the wintertime. So it's really a great one-stop bike shop. You can do all types of different riding there. Awesome. 
Well, yeah, you mentioned pedal-driven trails, and that reminds me of the lift-served terrain that you're going to find in Park City. You know, you touched on it earlier, talking about all the different resorts there, and there are, yeah, like you said, it's confusing which resorts are which and what they're called these days, but some of them are set up, the one at Deer Valley, the last time I was there, was set up with the lifts to give you good access to the uh, more backcountry rides. So you could ride the lift up and then pedal around on the ridges and stuff and connect into other more backcountry trails, but it's just a good way to get a little bit farther out than you could perhaps under your own power. And another one of the resorts there, though, a more classic style resort with, you know, man-made jumps and features and stuff is Canyons Bike Park. And Canyons reminds me a lot of Trestle uh, in that they're really dedicated to, you know, downhill riding and they have like a great shop there and they have classes and all the equipment you would need. And it's really a great place. Even if you're not set up for downhill biking, you can just show up and, you know, they'll set you up and you can, you can give downhill riding a try. Or if you're really awesome, you're really, you know, skilled at it. There's some advanced stuff there as well. Finally, in Montana, we have Big Sky. And Greg, what's the riding like there at the resort? From what I hear, it sounds pretty diverse. Like they've got legit downhill trails. But uh, last fall, I rode with Jim Cummings for about four or five days, who's one of our longtime single tracks members. He actually lives in New Zealand, but he's traveled the world riding and spent basically all last summer riding in the United States. So I asked him, I was like, well, what's the best trail that you've ridden in the USA? And his pick is the Mountain to Meadow Trail at Big Sky. It definitely plays into what I found out is his personal bias, but it sounds like it's a really cool trail. It's a flowy, relatively smooth, berm-filled, like downhill graded trail, but it's not like a legit downhill trail. So you could easily ride on your trail bike, just long backcountry, like not backcountry in the sense of you've got to get out there, but it feels like you're in the middle of nowhere, but then you return to the lift and can go and do it again. So he spoke extremely highly of the Mountain to Meadow Trail there. Nice. That sounds like a lot of fun. Moving on to all around trail systems. And this, I, I mean, the definition, I guess, is kind of fuzzy. The trail systems I put on this list are really big trail systems where you can do a heck of a lot of riding, maybe like a weekend full of riding, but they don't necessarily fit any of our other categories. Like we're going to talk about some suburban trail systems. These aren't suburban. Uh, they're also not necessarily like full-blown destinations because we just talked about like a dozen destinations. You could easily say each one of those is an all-around trail system, but these are just great trail systems that you should check out and we definitely recommend them. Yeah. So the first example we have on the list is the Kurt Gowdy State Park in Wyoming. And there are a lot of trails there in Kurt Gowdy, right? It's sort of a network setup. Yeah, it sounds like it's a big network of about 31 miles of trail, mostly pretty technical, rocky, but there's some easier trails. This is located sort of near Cheyenne, but otherwise it's just a trail system relatively out in the middle of nowhere. But I still haven't ridden there yet. It's one of those where I've driven through the area and been like, oh, I should stop, but then I don't. So one of these days I've got to stop. Yes, me too. I'm same. I've heard a lot of good things about Kurt Gowdy. Seen a lot of photos too, which make it look pretty awesome. One of my personal favorites is Buffalo Creek Trail System 
in Bailey, Colorado. And Bailey's a tiny town. It's sort of midway between Colorado Springs and Denver, but a little bit west. Uh, so it's not easy to get to. But Buffalo Creek's got a ton to choose from, right, Greg? Yeah, it depends how you count it because the Colorado Trail runs through there. I saw one website listed at, at 150 miles, and I was like, I don't think that's correct. Mm-hmm. So Buffalo Creek proper is around about 30 miles of trails, but nowadays it has a very diverse uh, offering. So back in the day, it used to be relatively smooth XC riding with sandy trails, but they built some super burly like rock lines, and now they have like really flowy um, trails with – um, big berms and features, and uh, there's a lot of different variety out at Buffalo Creek than you can do. Um, you know, one of the newest trails built out there is a little Scraggy Loop, and we went out to ride that for. I rode it for the first time uh, this past fall, and we planned to ride a little Scraggy and then maybe do some extra. And by the time we finished little Scraggy and shooting some photos, I was pretty much done. I was like, <laughs> I've got this one loop, and I'm I'm pretty well set. I mean, because we still did. We did that one loop and we did like over 20 miles that day. So um, it was a full ride. Yeah. Yeah. What I always loved about Buffalo Creek was it was just, it's really fast. The climbs don't seem too bad, although they're, I would say the climbs are medium size. Um, You're not like going up some huge mountain, but but you will have to climb and, but you still can have a lot of fun. It's one of those, it feels like you get more out of the climbing than you put into it, which is always a good thing in my opinion. Also in Colorado is a well-known trail system called Phil's World. And Phil's World is in the town or right next to the town of Cortez, which is west of Durango. So again, it's another one like Kurt Gowdy that's not super accessible, not real easy to get to, kind of in the middle of nowhere. But there are about 25 miles of trails. And for Colorado, especially, or almost anywhere really, there isn't a lot of elevation at Phil's world, but the trail is really creative and really a lot of fun to ride. It's really fast. Again, there's a lot of interesting features that just make it a lot of fun. So it's highly recommended to check out Phil's world. Have you ridden there, Greg? I haven't yet. That's, uh, <laughs> as I've said, probably half a dozen times already. That's on the list. Yeah. That was actually on the short list for this upcoming weekend trip that we're taking, but opted for Santa Fe. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've only ridden there once and didn't ride everything. One thing I can report is that it is very hot in the summertime. So plan your trip accordingly. Speaking of very hot, next up on our list, we have Bootleg Canyon in Boulder City, Nevada. And this is right outside of Las Vegas. So it's in the desert and it's where Interbike holds or used to hold their outdoor demo. So Greg and I both have ridden there many, many times, or at least a small subset of the trails there. Greg, what else can you tell us about Bootleg Canyon? Yeah, it's actually a really big trail system. It's around 35 miles of trails. And when we're out there, we normally don't ride nearly all of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
so a lot of diversity and you know well worth a stop if you're passing through the area yeah definitely and it's right off sort of the main strip there in boulder city where i believe you can rent bikes and everything so if you're there doing the tourist thing you know going to the hoover dam or whatever you can stop in for an afternoon rent a bike and check out the trails there it's definitely worthwhile Finally, on our list, I had to pick something in Utah. I mean, Utah is full of great destinations, like we mentioned, Park City and St. George and Moab, obviously. Uh, But one trail system in particular has my attention called McCoy Flats in Vernal, Utah. And I've, I've never ridden there. Greg, have you ridden Vernal? I haven't. I know John Fish has been there and wrote a few articles on the site about Vernal, but Vernal's on my, uh, <laughs> it's also on my list, uh, but it's actually not horribly, f- yeah, it's a big list, but it seems like a very under the radar destination with like rad trails, but not the acclaim of uh, like Fruta is not far from there. It's nowhere near as well known as Fruta. Right. Yeah. And I mean, thinking about our list now too, I don't think we have Fruta on here, which is a big oversight. Maybe you're going to mention it later, but if not Fruta, it's good. Everybody likes it. Okay. So getting back to McCoy flats though. Yeah. I just wanted to mention it's, it's, it is really remote. It's kind of an arid area. So it's no park city, you know, it's kind of uh, in the foothills of the Uinta mountains. And so that's, I think that may be part of it, right, is like the scenery. It doesn't have the scenery as of some of these other places, but the riding is supposed to be excellent. And McCoy Flats is about 40 miles of trails, and yet there are lots of other trails in the Vernal area as well. So seems like it's worth checking out if you've checked off all the other places on our list. We're going to take a break real quick, but when we come back, we're going to talk about some suburban trail systems, trails that you can ride close to some of the larger cities and towns in the mountain states. And we're also going to cover some of the backcountry and long distance rides in the mountain states. So stay tuned. You can't see me, but I'm wearing an awesome single tracks hat right now. It's actually the reason my voice sounds so amazing. Okay, so maybe not, but you never know until you get a hat for yourself. Go to shop.singletracks.com to find Singletracks hats, t-shirts, stickers, tubular headwear, and can coolers. Shipping is free within the USA, and your purchase helps support the Singletracks podcast. That's shop.singletracks.com, and thank you for your support. And we're back. So let's start talking about some suburban trail systems. And it looks like we're going to start with some of the smaller cities in the mountain states, Helena, Montana. Not sure if a lot of people have business in Helena or family there. Not a big city, but Greg, what's a good trail to visit if you're in Helena? Well, I put this one on the list because the South Hills trail system, um, basically that encompasses almost all the trails right around Helena, but it could arguably be some of the best from town riding next to a decent sized city that I've ever done. There's about 75 miles of trail in that system with free shuttles up to the tops of the trails during the summer. But there's something like a dozen trailheads all around that side of Helena that lead into this network. It's just pretty incredible. You go from one street, ride a big loop, pop out another street, and you're back in town next to your brewery. It's uh, pretty rad. Definitely not like a huge city, but it is the capital of Montana. So quite a few people do come through here for business and politics and stuff like that for the size of town it is. I was kind of impressed by that. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I was pretty sure it was the capital, but 
makes sense. Yeah. If you, if you live in Montana, you probably got to go to the Capitol every now and then. So great recommendation. Moving to a larger city, Denver, Colorado. Colorado is, I mean, it's unfair really how many great trails are in Colorado. And yet you can, even when you're in the city, you have access to great riding. So Greg, what's one of your favorite rides close to Denver? Yeah, there's quite a few close to Denver, but one that really stands out is the Dakota Ridge Trail because it's one of the gnarliest in-town rides ever. I mean, really, it's one of the gnarliest rides ever regardless of qualifier. Like, it's seriously technical, exposed, big drop-offs, you name it. But you're basically around the edge of the city. As you ride it, you're on top of this ridge, and you can just see all of Denver just spread out below you. So, yeah, it definitely fits a suburban qualifier for sure. Yeah, Dakota Ridge is really challenging. I I rode it a long time ago, maybe 10, 15 years ago when I was not as good of a rider as I am now. Still not a great rider, but... I walked most of Dakota Ridge, but it was worth it. It's totally worth it because, like you said, they're awesome views of the city. And then you can connect the trail with some other stuff around there, the Red Rocks Loop, which is kind of on the other side of that. And then we did a great ride. I mean, I guess it's not – I don't know if you could connect it or not, but the the Lair of the Bear Trail is a really good one that's sort of close in as well. I think it's a little bit farther out than Dakota Ridge, but – definitely worth riding if you want to get that mountain feel but still close to the city of denver grand junction is another good sized city in colorado greg where's a good place to ride if you're in grand junction i rode the lunch loops trail system in grand junction for the first time it'd been on my list for a while and this is one i checked off last year and i'm so glad i went there there's some of the most technical trails i've ever ridden but it's just an amazing system. There's something like 60 miles of trail in this network. Depends how you count it. But it's called the lunch loops because you could literally work in a skyscraper. There's not many of them, but there's a couple <laughs> downtown. And then pedal to the lunch loops, do a ride, and then pedal back to work because that's how close it is. This could easily qualify as you know an all-around trail system. Um, there's a bike park right there. And this is also one of my throwouts or you know call outs to the Grand Valley area, which includes Grand Junction, Fruta, and all of that. Uh, the lunch loops. Uh, it took me a few years to get there, but when I finally got there, I was like, man, I've I've been going to the wrong places in this <laughs> in this area. It's it's really good. Yeah, that's such an awesome name. Definitely lets you know that it's accessible and it's somewhere you can ride right out of town. Another large city in Colorado is Colorado Springs. I believe it's the second largest city in Colorado. And traditionally, Colorado Springs has been known as a military town. So you've got a lot of people uh, moving in and and coming to town for business, uh, government work and whatnot. And so a lot of people do find themselves in Colorado Springs. Tourism is big as well. If you're in Colorado Springs, I highly recommend riding at Palmer Park. And this was one of my, when I lived in Colorado Springs, one of my go-to after-work rides. And it's a park that's right in town, fairly large park, where there are all kinds of trails rated from beginner to intermediate to pretty advanced. There's a lot of good rock features to session. And overall, it's just a really good ride. And for a lot of it, you forget that you're in the city. You know, there's all these little ridges and nice tree-lined sections where yeah, you can really get lost and feel like you're out of the city. So highly recommended if you're in Colorado Springs. 
All right, moving over to Utah, we have the Bonneville Shoreline Trail, which is outside of Salt Lake City. So again, another big city, the hub, one of the hubs for Delta Airlines. So again, a lot of people coming in and out of town. Greg, tell us a little about the Bonneville Shoreline Trail. Normally, when we talk about mountain biking around Salt Lake City, we tend to focus on places like Park City or places a little bit higher from town. But the Bonneville Shoreline Trail is actually a single track trail that runs along the base of the mountains near the outskirts of Salt Lake City, all the way up to Ogden, I think south of Salt Lake City, runs like over 100 miles, which is just slightly mind blowing. Uh, So, you know, if Denver had something like this, it would just be like, you know, packed all the time. Uh, So it's really kind of a very neat situation they've got going from all the photos I've seen of it. It looks like it's like legit, very well built and very entertaining single track. And even a few people I interviewed for a recent article, they mentioned the Bonneville shoreline trail is yeah, very worthwhile. So uh, it's one of those where I think it qualifies well as a suburban trail, because if you're actually going to salt Lake and you're flying in and you're going to go ride like Epic mountain bike trails, I don't know that you're going to ride this, but if you like live there, for sure. Yeah, it seems to be really accessible, like you said, at a lot of points along town because it's a it's a long linear trail. And so you can access it from a lot of different neighborhoods and different parts of the metro area. So I'm like you, I've seen photos and read about it, and it's definitely on my list of a place to check out. Phoenix, Arizona is probably one of the biggest cities in our mountain states region and in phoenix there's a place called south mountain park where there's some good mountain biking tell us about it greg yeah there's a heck of a lot of mountain biking around phoenix but south mountain park really stands out because it's one of the largest city parks in the country there's some debate about exactly which park is the largest so we're not going to get into that but suffice it to say this is a big park it's got about 50 miles of single track in it and a lot of it's really technical a really challenging deserty trail, but there's still some easier trails to be had. So plenty of variety to be had at South Mountain Park and a great resource for this big city. Moving on to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Albuquerque is right up against the Sandia Mountains on the east side of town, actually, which is kind of it's kind of disorienting for me, you know, having lived on the Colorado Front Range, the, having the mountains on the east side is a little weird. But the riding in the Sandia foothills is excellent. They, we recently had, I guess not too recently, a few years ago, we had a three-part series about the riding around Albuquerque. And a couple of riders, Erica Barnes and John Fish, wrote about some of the standout rides in the Albuquerque area. Uh, the only one that I have familiar some experience with is the Elena Gallegos trail or trail system. Not sure exactly how they classify that, but just, yeah, good classic fun desert riding right there in town that is pretty accessible. And a lot of those trails connect to each other. So you can go out and do all day epic rides, or you can just do, you know, little short rides after work or with the family, lots of good options in Albuquerque. Finally, Las Vegas. Las Vegas is another big city in the mountain states region. And we talked about Bootleg Canyon and Bootleg Canyon is technically or actually it's not it's not in Las Vegas. It's Boulder City, which is at least a 30, 45 minute drive uh, without traffic away from town. So some of the 
locals also tend to ride at a place called Cottonwood Valley, which is on the west side of Las Vegas. And there's been a lot of trail work done there in the last few years. It seems like they're constantly expanding and the trails look to be super high quality and worth a visit. There's also another trail in the area or trail system known as Blue Diamond, which again, it's another one I haven't checked out, but I definitely want to. Now we're going to talk about some backcountry and alpine rides in the mountain states. These are going to be, you know, sort of all day rides or what a lot of people call epic rides. And there are a ton of them to choose from in this region. So let's kick it off by talking about the whole enchilada. And this one, this one's usually done as a shuttle or almost exclusively, right, Greg? Yeah, I I don't know that I know of anybody not doing this as a shuttle. I'm sure you could pedal up. Uh, that would be a heck of a long day. I'm sure it's been done. Uh, but even with a shuttle, it's 27 miles long and it drops over 7,000 feet of elevation through almost every climate zone imaginable. So that would be a heck of a, a ride up there. Heck, even the shuttle drive is – it takes a long time. It takes over like an hour just to get to the top of this thing just driving. You know, it's uh, – so it would be a full day to loop it, but as a shuttle, it's still a full day um, for most people. And as I said, every climb is unimaginable. You begin um, above, just above treeline at over 11,000 feet and then drop through like high alpine pines and then into aspens and then sort of out into scrub oak and you descend into the high desert and eventually end in low desert, very close to, not very close to, but on the banks of the Colorado River. So it's extremely diverse and a lot of – you've probably heard of the Porcupine Rim Trail and that's a part of the whole enchilada route. Yeah, the whole enchilada is not to be missed. If you're in Moab and you know you only have a day to ride or something, make that your ride because you'll get to experience so many different trail systems and so many different climate zones and everything. It's definitely, definitely worth it. One of the well-known backcountry rides in the West is the Monarch Crest route. And that's right near you in Salida, Colorado, Greg. So tell us about Monarch Crest. I think what makes the Monarch Crest really stand out is that uh, this classic route has over 10 miles of ridgeline riding right around treeline. And so you spend a lot of time up on top of the mountains, which I think is pretty rare. Like a lot of the big epic like alpine rides tend to go sort of straight up and then come more or less straight back down but this one spends a lot of time up top which is pretty fun most often done as a shuttle uh the classic route is about 35 miles long but there are six different single track descent options off of the monarch crest even more uh depending on how far down you go and which makes it a place with a lot of great revisitability. I don't think that's actually a word, but you can come back here a lot and ride over and over again and do different options, do different loops. Uh, it's one of the reasons I moved to Salida. Yeah. Yeah. So many trails up there and there are a couple of really big trails that kind of intersect there too, right? I don't know if you mentioned that, but you got the Colorado trail and then also the continental divide trail. And so you jump on either one of those and ride for days and days and still be out in the backcountry. The Rainbow Trail also forms a very tail end of the classic route, and that is actually the beginning of the Rainbow Trail, and it runs for over 140 miles down to a nearby town called Westcliff. So I like to say there's 
three long distance trails that intersect right at the Monarch Crests, which makes it a pretty unique location, like you said, Jeff. Yeah, great location for backcountry riding. Over on the Utah side, we have the Wasatch Crest Trail, and this sort of runs around the tops of the ridges in the Park City area. Greg, you've ridden the Wasatch Crest Trail a couple of times, or at least some segments of it, right? Yeah, I've done one version of the Wasatch Crest, and the Wasatch Crest runs along the top of the crest, like the Monarch Crest, and but there are again different descents off of it. I've done the descent, one of the descents that drops to the Park City side. There's two or three that drop towards Park City, but there's one that drops the other direction, goes down to Salt Lake City, so which is uh, pretty epic. Don't take the wrong one. Yeah, as our friend Jim learned during his trip to Park City, he accidentally <laughs> went down the wrong one and somebody had to go pick him up down in Salt Lake City. Yeah, that's not ideal, uh, but it's definitely a, a great backcountry epic. One route actually ends in the Canyons Bike Park, so you can go from top of the mountains, like backcountry style riding, and then drop into a rowdy bike park, which is pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, that one definitely gets high marks for being so accessible and yet so backcountry. You know, it's it's right there at the resorts. You're right above them, but it doesn't feel like it. And you can make your ride as long or as short as you want by choosing how you drop back down off of the trail. We started the show talking about Crested Butte, Colorado as one of the top destinations for mountain biking in the mountain states. What's a good backcountry ride that people should check out if they're in Crested Butte? So Crested Butte is pretty unique in that it's got like a lot of backcountry routes you can choose from. And one of the most popular is Trail 401. Most locals and most Coloradans wouldn't say it's got the best quality mountain biking, but it does have pretty much some of the most epic views that you will ever see in your entire life. We did do actually a while back, just remembering a list of the most scenic mountain bike trails in the United States. And Trail 401 was definitely on that list. It's about a 14 mile loop, but you can combine it with other trails in the region and make it into a heck of a lot more than that if you so desire. Yeah. One trail that you mentioned earlier as well is the Tahoe Rim Trail in Nevada and California. I mean, it's a it's a loop around Lake Tahoe. What's a good ride to do in that area? Yeah, I mean, I covered this briefly last time, but you can put together a bunch of different segments. But in Nevada, there's one key segment that drops off of the same highway that Mount Rose is on and then had travels roughly south. But you can also combine in the Flume Trail if you want or some other trails in that region. And I know there's been quite a bit of trail development around there. So there probably are more route options than I'm even aware of right now. So a lot to be done in Lake Tahoe. I mean, we chose it as one of our top destinations in the U.S. So way, way more there than we can even talk about. Yeah, for sure. The next trail on our list is one I've never heard of, Greg, the Osberg Ridgeline Epic in Sun Valley. Is that a trail you've ridden or is this something that's on your ginormous to-do list? I've actually written this one. I've got an article about it too. So it's up on the site. Uh, you can read a whole trip report about it. And I had actually never heard of it until I went to Sun Valley. And I was like, well, what are the best trails we got to ride? And they said the Osberg Ridgeline Epic. I'm like, I never heard of it before. And we went out to do it. It is epic. You know, they were not 
wrong about that. And you can do shorter versions, but you can do like a 35 to 40-ish mile version from sort of your shuttle drop and bring you all the way back into the town of Sun Valley. I also heard that they built a new trail near the end of it somewhere. So I think the descent off the ridgeline is even more epic than it used to be, which is which is rad. But we did this route called the Osberg Ridgeline Epic, but I'm pretty glad I had a guide because there's all kinds of trails that connect to it. It's basically this epic route through a massive, huge backcountry network. I mean, you could do hundreds, hundreds of miles of riding back there, uh, but just beautiful mountain views, top of the world. It's, it's rad. Awesome. That's a great recommendation. I love hearing about places that are under the radar like that. And I think our readers and listeners do as well. Finally, on the list, we have the Wagon Hammer Trail System in Salmon, Idaho. And this one, too, probably flies under the radar for a lot of people. Yeah, Salmon has been on my hit list and as have a bunch of other places. But I think Salmon is really unique in that it, it looks to be one of the most epic places, but very few people really go there. It's very remote. It's uh, in Idaho. This Wagon Hammer Trail System is actually right on the um, Idaho-Montana border, and the Continental Divide Trail bisects through the system. So you can do all kinds of loops. You can ride the Continental Divide Trail. There's no end of options because it's big mountains and, and big trails. We even recently posted a bikepacking video to single tracks called the Fun Suffer Divide, and it goes right through this region. So they talk about the Continental Divide trails, this one linear trail, but then there's all kinds of stuff that connects to it. So there's there no end, end of options in this network for sure. Yeah, that sounds really awesome. Really remote, really epic. Speaking of remote and epic, there are several well-known long-distance bikepacking routes that cut through the mountain states. The first one on our list is the Colorado Trail, and as its name implies, this is a trail that starts and ends in Colorado. Tell us a little about the Colorado Trail, Greg. I mean, the Colorado Trail, I believe, is the number one ranked trail on Singletracks.com worldwide. Uh, it's about 535 miles long, runs from Denver to Durango or vice versa, but even if you're not going to bikepack the whole thing, you can do a short overnight, you can do two, three, four days. Uh, you can do just day rides on the Colorado Trail. I mean, the quality of this single track is very high and pretty much any section of the, well, there are some crappier ones, but most of the sections of the Colorado Trail are just really excellent. Like I did a three-day bike pack on it last year and we ran from near Leadville, like through Breckenridge and finished down near Kenosha Pass and Fairplay. So the Colorado Trail basically connects to most of the Colorado destinations we've talked about. The Monarch Crest is part of that is the Colorado Trail. Um, it goes through Breckenridge that we discussed. So yeah, it sort of connects everything together. Yeah. Many of my favorite rides in Colorado involve the Colorado Trail in some way. You know, it's either a loop or an out and back on the Colorado Trail. And like you said, it, it also hits Buffalo Creek, which we mentioned. There's the end in Denver, where it starts, is there's good riding there as well, good like after work or suburban rides uh, at the start of the Colorado Trail. So pretty much if you if you hit any section of the Colorado Trail, you're going to have a good time. And if you ride the whole thing, it's challenging. I, I will say that as well. It's not like, 
you know, you could just plan a like four or five day trip and plan to ride the whole Colorado trail. It, some of it gets really high and they're really rocky parts. And then some parts I believe are close to bikes. So you have to route around the trail uh, where it goes through wilderness areas. So definitely take some planning, but uh, it could be well worth it if you're a strong bike packer. One thing I want to also throughout in the Colorado Trail, we haven't really discussed Durango at all. Durango is an epic destination in its own right. And the final section of the Colorado Trail into Durango is great as a day ride and as a shuttle ride. Maybe We probably should have talked about Durango more, but that could pretty much hit every part of our list here. Destination, backcountry route, bikepacking route, big trail systems. Um, but the only reason, and there's probably other destinations we haven't hit, so it's a tall order to talk about all the mountain states. Yeah. I think as long as we say the word Durango, we're covered and nobody can post negative comments. That's also why I said Fruta. So (laughs) it's noted. We're aware of it. It's awesome. We agree. We just don't have time to talk about it. Another state with a trail is the Arizona Trail in Arizona. And this trail, I feel like it kind of got its starter, became more popular with the Arizona Trail race. And the trail itself has gone through, I guess, some evolution as well in terms of, you know, piecing it all together. But now there's a legit 750-mile trail for bikes in Arizona, right, Greg? Yeah, and I've even recorded a podcast with uh, Neil Balchenko who set, I believe, the 750 trail record. And he's heading out to do, I think, the shorter version this spring. So maybe he's gunning for that record too. Not quite sure. But it's... uh, legit long distance trail a lot of it's very deserty but it does go through the flagstaff area so you do get some higher uh, more treed uh, areas but you definitely want to pick the right time of year if you're going to through bike this whole thing and while it is for bikes there is one portion of it that goes through grand canyon national park and it goes down into the canyon and back up the other side and when you're in the canyon you cannot let your bike tires touch the ground so you literally have to strap your bike to your back and carry it down into the canyon back up the other side, which is – that's no easy feat. People, That's like a whole day like – no, not whole day. That's like a whole you know, weekend or more bike backpacking trip for most people. <laughs> yeah. um, so <laughs> that's, not, that's not an easy feat. Yeah. My understanding is that it's not just that your tires can't touch the ground. It's that your bike can't be assembled basically because the idea is that – you know. You could be walking beside your bike and say, oh, I wasn't riding it, but you could easily just hop back on it and be riding it quickly. So they tell people to take their bikes apart to show that like, you're not even close to hopping on the bike and actually riding in the Grand Canyon. And we should also know that people, people have been arrested for riding their bikes in the Grand Canyon. So it's definitely not something to mess around with. Finally, the granddaddy of them all, the biggest bikepacking route in the West is the Great Divide route. And this one actually starts in Canada and goes through a lot of these mountain states. How long exactly is the Great Divide route, Greg? It is about 2,768 miles. So it is a big granddaddy of a route, like you said. And there's a popular, mostly unofficial race held on every year called the Tour Divide. And it's... It's basically, if you're a bikepacker, this is the bikepacking route and race. And all these three trails combined actually form the triple crown of bikepacking. So 
they're all located in the western states. Ah, yeah, that's good. Good point. So definitely plenty of bikepacking opportunities in the mountain states. Well, like we mentioned throughout this episode, we've written tons about all of these destinations and trails and bikepacking routes. So if you want more information, be sure to go on Singletracks, subscribe to our email list so you make sure you don't miss any of our latest content. And you can follow us on social media as well, and we'll get those articles out to you. Finally, we'd love for you to rate the Single Tracks podcast wherever you get your podcasts. That'll help other people find us. And we'd also love it if you just tell a friend the old-fashioned way. You don't actually have to use technology. You can pick up the phone, send a text, tell somebody how much you're enjoying the Single Tracks podcast. We'd love it if you did that. That's all we've got this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Peace.